What are the long-term outcomes of pediatric inflammatory multiple system syndrome? Find out about this and more in today's PV Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Senior Vice President and Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, coming to you today from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Here are today's stories. Children and adolescents who develop pediatric inflammatory multisystem syndrome following SARS-CoV-2 infection fare well one to two years after the initial acute episode. This according to a study presented at the 41st annual meeting of the European Society of Pediatric Infectious Diseases. An evaluation of 160 subjects less than 18 years of age found that days of hospitalization decreased with time from 10.7 days during SARS-CoV-2 variant wave one to one day during wave two to 1.8 days during wave three. More patients were ventilated in wave one, 12 patients, then in waves two, seven patients, and wave three, two patients. Ionotropic support was received in 86% of patients treated during wave two, compared with only 40% of those treated in wave one and 47% in wave three. Inflammatory markers normalized by six weeks and continue to be normal up to two years in all patients except one. There were also no relapses in the cohort. In our next story, we learned that the American College of Radiology now recommends that all women undergo breast cancer risk assessment by age 25, especially black women and those with Ashkenazi Jewish heritage. For supplemental screening of women at higher than average risk, breast MRI is now recommended. Updated recommendations published in the Journal of American College of Radiology include guidance for women with genetic mutations, a calculated lifetime breast cancer risk for greater than or equal to 20%, a breast cancer diagnosis before 50, a personal history of breast cancer, and dense breasts. And finally, we learned that increased lipid screening in childhood and adulthood is necessary to improve diagnosis of homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, and aggressive use of all available lipid-lowering therapies is needed to improve lipid management in this very high-risk population. A study that examined the homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia population in two proprietary Family Heart Foundation databases published in the Journal of American Heart Association found that despite treatment with available therapy, most patients in the registry still required further lipid-lowering therapy to achieve their LDL-C goal. Patients in the real-world database were both underdiagnosed and undertreated, with less than 20% on more aggressive therapies needed for adequate LDLC management. And that's today's Medical Roundup. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to Gabrielle Mastello for selecting and editing our stories, and to Sean Mullins for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine. <laughs>